0: is the light
1: on is what Ben expressed as to be a light, sharing Christ wherever you are. That's why we sang the video. To to be a light, sharing Christ wherever you are. And evangelism can be a bit of a, a scary word, uh, a scary thing. But if you think of it as being just letting Jesus shine. So... Um, Oh, we got the first sight. Letting your light shine. That's what I'm speaking about this morning. Um, but just to acknowledge that evangelism can be difficult, can be scary. We live in a, in a world where it, it's very easy to think, and we were just hearing about God, you know, we, we believe in God and we trust in God and his faithfulness, but we have an enemy, the devil. And we live in a world where, yeah, the devil can... <laughs> put all sorts of thoughts in our minds and obstacles in our way. And one of the obstacles he puts in our way and the thoughts in our mind is that people don't want to know about Jesus, that that it's hard out there. And when you get people like me coming along encouraging you to let your light shine, you think, oh, you don't know where I work (laughs) or what the culture is like in my place. Or you don't know about my neighbors, do you? Or even it might be in your home and the family that it's tough, it's difficult, and we live in a in a world that seems to be more and more secular, humanistic, people not knowing about God. Kids aren't taught about God in school, never mind not believing in God, but even knowing about God. So it's not as easy as just singing the song sometimes. Um, at the beginning of John's Gospel, let's see if this thing works, oh, it works. Um, we're told that the true light, John chapter 1, the true light that was coming into the world was Jesus. That's who Jesus is. He was the true light. And Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. Yeah? I am the light of the world. But we need to remember that Jesus also said this. I'm going to ask Ruth to read some scriptures out this morning. So in Matthew chapter 5... Jesus said this.
0: Light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who
1: is in heaven. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also says, you are the light of the world. What's that about? Is he, is he, who's the light then? Is he contradicting himself? Not at all. Jesus is the light of the world. But as Christians, when we become a Christian, Jesus, the light of the world, comes to live in us. He, he comes to live in us. So we have the light of Christ. In us. We just have to let that light shine out of us. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. Let your light shine. Jesus is the light. I'm going to let him shine. That's that's what evangelism is. That's what it means to share Jesus with people. I mean, think about it. When you... uh, I don't know what time you get up in the morning, but I tend to get up pretty early. It's still pretty dark in the morning, okay? So, one of the first things I do, actually, I creep out of the bedroom without doing this, but when I'm out of the bedroom and I go into the bathroom or downstairs, the first thing I do is switch the light on. The first thing I do, because if I don't switch the light on, I can't I, I can't see, I can't do anything. And what happens, what happens when I switch the light on, or when you switch the light on in a dark room? What happens? You can see what happens to the darkness, it's gone. It's gone when I switch the light on. The darkness goes. Darkness, if you think about it, it's the absence of light. Okay, darkness can only exist when there there is no light. If there's light, there's no darkness. The darkness goes, it's dispelled. So it doesn't matter how dark or difficult, or the rooms, or the places that you walk in, or the life that you live, the situations that you are in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Many of you are, are, are quite happy living in dark places with dark things happening, difficult things happening that I would have no, no experience of at all. But what I do know is that you have the light of Christ in you. And therefore, when you walk into those places and those things, darkness has to go. Darkness has to go. Now, you you may feel, "Well, well, it doesn't seem to. Well, that's perhaps because you're not looking with the eyes of faith. As you walk into that situation and into that place, into that dark place, darkness has to go because you have the light of Christ. Jesus is the light. I'm going to let him shine. So in the in our bibles there's there's lots of different ways that Paul expresses this you see light light makes a difference in the darkness Paul the apostle he uses a different picture to make uh, the same point Ruth could you read just uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 to 20 for us Asian.
0: The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the, me- the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God.
1: So, we, you, are an ambassador for Christ. You're the light of the world, which makes a difference in the darkness, but you're also, says Paul, an ambassador for Christ. Light makes a difference. Ambassadors make a difference. Ambassadors are sent to other nations with the authority of the king, the monarch, with a message that will make a difference to the situations that they're going into. So we are sent with the message of the love of God and his offer of reconciliation that makes a difference to the world. It makes a difference to people who are living in darkness. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're the light of the world. Now, we're going to look in a few moments about how we can, some practical ways that we can start uh, to do that. But as Ben uh, said, um, we are, Ruth and I, we're here today. We're part of, as you are, Christ Central Churches UK. And we are looking, as Christ Central Churches UK, to raise the profile of evangelism or sharing Jesus, if you want to put it like that, within our churches, we want to we want to raise that profile, and we are committing ourselves. We've been talking to your elders over a few months, really, uh, to work with you, Christchurch Blackpool, uh, with us as Christ Central Churches, and to launch if you like, today, and we're sort of telling you about it today, something that's called the Emmaus Project. So you may remember that when Jesus was raised from the dead, um, he was uh, a couple of disciples on the day that Jesus um, was raised from the dead, he was walking on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem, and he came alongside a couple of Jesus' disciples. And during that time, Jesus... Help those disciples to come to terms with what had happened and their mission that Jesus is alive. Well, we want to come alongside you as Christ Church Blackpool and help you with this mission to make Jesus known, to share Jesus. And the, the end result is that people are going to come in and find Jesus. Um, we've not been here for a few months. There are, Ruth said to me, there's more people here. There's more people here this morning than, than when we last came here. I'm in faith that the next time we come, there's going to be more people here. And the time after that, there's going to be more people here. And you're going to have to get more chairs out and make more tea and coffee. And get more biscuits. I love the biscuits, by the way. Um, so, we've been, as I said, we've been talking with your elders. And this thing, you don't have to worry about the detail. of. We're calling it the Emmaus Project. It's a partnership with you guys with Christ Central Churches and and the evangelism team that we've got, and also a a charity called Share Jesus International, which is a a national charity. A friend of mine, Andy Frost, leads that. And the thing that they do really well is they produce resources like this, lots of them, different resources, that we can call in from them to help over a two-year period. And that's what we're hoping, that over a couple of years, we're just going to work with you to uh, share... Evangelism increase the profile of evangelism in the church. So, who's already done the questionnaire? Well done. If you haven't done it yet, as Ben said, if you could do that, I think it's online, is it Ben? They've got you've got the details. Do that. Send that back in. If you're struggling with that, if you need a paper copy to do that. Pen and paper, that would be me, okay. I'm not very good at online service. Ask Ben, he'll give you one, I'm sure he can sort that out. But we really would like just get a feeling from you where you all are and where we are as a church in terms of sharing our faith and doing evangelism, so that over over a couple of years period we can raise that profile and see the difference that it makes when you have annoying people like me. So you're gonna see me and Ruth quite a bit over the next couple of years, and others from our team as well. But enough of that, let's make a start this morning about how we can just be a little bit more effective in terms of sharing our faith and letting our light shine. And the first thing I've already talked about, really, is make a difference. When I get up in the morning, as I said, I switch the light on and it makes a difference. We've got Jesus in us. When we go into a room, we go into a situation, that's going to make a difference if we let him shine. And if we let him make that difference, light makes a difference. Ambassadors make a difference. You are the light of the world. I want to encourage you to be mad (laughs) and be madder where mad is M-A-D, make a difference. All right? Have that attitude about you. I've got Jesus in me. I'm going to make a difference. Or he's going to make a difference. I just have to walk into that situation. Let him make a difference. My friend, uh, he is a friend really, although he's in a bit different world than I am. J. John, some of you will have heard about J. John. He talks about the impact that we make as Christians when he says that some people become Christians because they meet a Christian. And some people don't become Christians because they meet a Christian. And then he laughs in that way of his, of of sort of saying, you know, sort of, Telling people off a little bit in a way that he can get away with. You know, he's making the point: we're going to make a difference, and if people know we're Christians, especially, will we make a difference? Now, you know, we've got to pray and let Jesus and so we make a positive difference. But it's perfectly possible for us to make a, a negative difference. You know, Christians who are grumpy, who are complaining, who are miserable, who are not full of the Spirit. Yeah, you'll make a difference, all right, but it could help to reinforce people's objections to church, to Christianity, to God. We're going to make a difference one way or the other. Let's make a positive difference. Um, Ruth, could you read Colossians 4, verse 5? Walk in wisdom
0: towards outsiders, making the best use of the time.
1: Making the best use of the time. In the... um, NIV, it says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. So as I said, this time of year, it's really dark in the mornings. Um, Here's an idea. When you switch on the light, okay, maybe some of you don't get up until it is light and it's going to get increasingly lighter, which is wonderful. can't wait for the spring proper. But when you switch that light on, think, I'm the light of the world. Where do you want me to shine today, Lord? Where, where do you want me to shine, to let his light shine today? Or maybe you don't need to turn the light on and you see the dawn coming up. We, I, I sit in front of our uh, dining room and can see out over the hill uh, a couple of miles away and see the sun comes up over the hill. We, we've had some wonderful dawns. And that happens slowly, more gradually, over a period of time. And that's what it's like sometimes to let our light shine over a period of time, to make a difference over a period of time. Think as you see the dawn coming up. Where are you bringing the light of Christ to shine over a period of time? Is it in the workplace? Is it where you work? Is it perhaps in your home? Is it perhaps at the school gates as you drop the kids off or pick them, pick them up? Is it down your street or the ne- where is it? Where do you want me to shine, Lord, over a period of time? So get a bit mad, okay? Be madder, make a difference. Secondly, model godly character. Letting our light shine, it's not always about speaking. Sometimes we can get terribly nervous about speaking about Jesus. J. John again says that um, many Christians are like Arctic rivers frozen at the mouth. <laughs> and I think it's true. We find it difficult sometimes to, to speak to people about Jesus. Well, good news, it's not all about speaking, okay? It's about listening, sometimes, many times. God gave us a clue. I have to continually learn this lesson for myself repeatedly. God gave us a clue, I think, when he gave us two ears and one mouth. Letting his light shine often starts with listening, listening to people, finding out about people. What is it that they're going through? How can I pray for them? whether they know I'm praying or not. How can I shine for Jesus in this situation? Often starts with listening and then modeling godly character. Ruth, could you read Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23?
0: But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law.
1: The fruit of the Spirit. Shining for Jesus happens when we love people with with a level of love, an exceptional level of love that can only come from God and from being filled with his Spirit. When we love people. Shining for Jesus happens when, you know, when we're so full of the joy of the Lord that it perhaps causes people to react and comment, because people see the difference it makes to have Jesus in our lives. Shining for Jesus sometimes can be a case of just bearing with people (laughs) through thick and thin, through being a faithful friend. Goodness, gentleness. Even when friends are not, we shine for Jesus when we bear with people, when we remain a faithful friend. I've heard so many stories, testimonies over the years in different churches when people have become Christians, often when they get baptized. And somewhere in that story, pretty early on, it starts with this person, so and so, was a faithful. Friend. They may not put it like that, but they talk about a Christian who has stood with them and been there for them. That, that's often the starting point on people's je- uh, journey. So sharing, being shining for Jesus is often about just bearing with people and being a faithful friend. Shining for Jesus happens when we are gentle, all those fruits of the Spirit, when we are kind, when we are Good to others. Because there's not a lot of goodness and kindness out there. Don't know if you've noticed in the in the world. So when we do that, we make a difference. We shine for Jesus. Just by being kind, just by being good. Shining for Jesus happens when we show self control, another fruit of the spirit. In all those situations that stress everybody else out all those occasions when we would be stressed out if we didn't have Jesus in us, or when we feel like we're getting stressed out, but when we show self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, we're shining for Jesus. Everybody else is ranting and raving about this, but but you're not. People see that. They see that self-control. So shining for Jesus happens when we When we show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, when that manifests in our lives, which means we need to be filled with the Spirit. When you switch that light on in the morning or or plan out your day, where can I shine today, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit? Because I'm not going to shine very brightly unless I'm filled with you, Lord. I'll read this one, Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, Paul says, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Uh, I found this verse, uh, not finally, I must have read it hundreds of times, but you know sometimes you, a verse springs out, you thought, oh, I don't know if I've dwelt on that before. This was one of those verses. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And... Uh, there's a lot of commands and instructions in the New Testament. That's a command. Conduct yourselves. Do it. Conduct yourselves. See, Because Paul knows if you conduct yourselves in, in this manner, you'll be shining for Jesus in all sorts of situations. So be mad. Make a difference. Um, be filled with the Spirit and model godly character. Thirdly, mold the culture minister grace i'm making these titles up so they all start with M. you may have noticed this okay mold the culture minister grace what do i what do i mean there um ruth could you read romans 12 verse 1 and 2 for us
0: i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect.
1: Do not conform to this world, Paul says. In the NIV it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And you could replace the word pattern with culture. That's the in word for our day, okay? Do not conform, Paul says, to the culture of this world. We're forever being told about the culture, okay? The culture we live in. We're told that we live in a post Christian world of culture, the secular culture, the cancel culture, the woke culture, the Me Too culture the i am what i want to be culture don't you dare tell me what i am culture and the god is i want you know is what i want god to be culture those are some of the things they might not be phrased quite like that but that's the world that's the culture that we 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 live in and again we can get all these messages thoughts coming into our head how the heck do i compete with all that well paul says you compete by do not conform Don't conform to the the prevailing culture. Because the prevailing culture is the culture of darkness. doesn't matter how it's worded, do not conform, Paul says. Instead, be transformed, he goes on to say in that passage, by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed in your thinking because you're the light of the world. You've got Christ in you. None of those cultures can stand against Jesus and they will not stand. They might put up a fight. You know, I'm not saying you're going to walk into work tomorrow morning or wherever you go and just be so good and so nice that everybody's going to fall on their feet and fall on their knees and say, how do I become a Christian? No, it's not going to be quite, well, I don't know, maybe it will be. (laughs) But do not conform. Instead, we are to mould the culture around us by ministering grace. So that the culture around us starts to change. We're to mold the culture, seek to change the culture. As we shine for Jesus, so the darkness from the culture retreats. Has to. Every place we go, every place has got a, a, a prevailing culture. And the temptation is for us as Christians to go along with it, to go to conform to the rules. Oh, nobody does this here, so I can't do that either. No one, no one does that, so I can't do that. It's easier sometimes not to rock the boat, and, and it's easier for us to come to the place, the church, on a Sunday, or midweek in a live group, or a prayer meeting, or meet with Christian friends. It's easier to come to a place where everybody agrees with our culture, and we have this Christian culture, and it's a wonderful culture to be part of, but we're not called to stay in this culture. We're called to shine for Jesus in the world around us. How do we go about changing the culture? Well, there's a myriad of ways, and I pray that you will find ways, and God will give you ways to do that. Uh, just some some thoughts and some things that, I, when I was writing this the other day, I was thinking of. When I used to work, uh, do a proper job for a living, I used to work for a, a government agency called the Sports Council, okay? We were promoting sport all over the place. I now promote Jesus. It's much better. But we used to promote sport. And I just worked in an office, really. Lots of phone calls, lots of people doing emails, whatever. And quite frequently at one point, you know, I would be in an office. There'd be loads of people in the office, a dozen people sometimes. Someone would have a a phone call. And I'd hear them on the phone. And often, they'd, they'd put the phone down now I'm going to say some things here I don't want to offend anybody this is what other people were saying okay but they would put the phone call and say, "Oh God you know expressing the fact that that was a terrible conversation or or even forgive me if I don't want to offend anybody with this this would they would use the word of Christ almost as an expletive so it would be "Oh Jesus Christ you know and it would be using that way so and, and I thought what well, so this, my reaction to that, what I did, would work for me, it may not work for you, but whenever that happened, I would say, yes, <laughs> hello, and I'd get these weird looks, you know, what? Well you, know, well, you called out to God, and I've got God in me, so I'm saying, can I help, you know? And they would give me these weird looks, you know, as if, what is this guy on? But I, I, I resolved to do it. In the end, it got to the point that when they did it, oh, God, oh, sorry, Steve. <laughs> now it's small stuff, but it, it changed the culture a little bit, just a little bit. And it suited my personality to do that. It may not suit you, but it changed the culture just a little bit, just a little bit. But it, it changed it in the way as well. It, it let people know that, hey, I'm a Christian. And when some of the guys in the office found their lives got really dark, guess what? They started to seek me out and talk to me in private sometimes, not in the office. I'm having a tough time, what about this, whatever. It was just a way, a small way of breaking into the culture. I remember I was a conference a year or so back and um, hearing someone else speak about uh, someone else was in an office and the, the culture was that they had a fridge in the office uh, where people would put their lunch boxes in ready for lunch, or the milk, their milk for the coffee and whatever. And the culture in this office was that everybody brought their own stuff in for their own use, and no one else was allowed to touch it. To the extent that they would, you know, if they'd brought a cake in, for instance, they would put a little post-it on it saying, this is my cake, don't touch. Or the more common one was, was the milk. This is my milk, don't you dare touch it. So, so you'd end up with sort of eight or seven, different, seven or eight different bottles of milk in the fridge on with, you know, Steve's milk, Bill's milk, you know, Mary's milk, whatever, don't touch, whatever, whatever, and all these notes. And it got, there, there was this one lady who was a Christian in the office, the only one, and, and she just thought, this is, this is stupid. So what she started to do was to get a bottle of milk, put it in the fridge with a little post-it on it saying, this is milk for us all to use, please use it as you want to. And it's like, apparently, people started, <laughs> whatever. But it actually, she used to do that faithfully whenever the milk got to the bottom. Some people would use it. Other people would not use it. She would put another bottle of milk in there. Um, and then, you know, people would, oh, would she noticed that on birthdays, someone, one of the ladies, thought she brought a cake in, and she put a little post-it in the fridge. Oh, it's my birthday. Nobody even knew it was a birthday. That was a coach to of the office. I brought a cake in. Please help yourself. And then other people would, oh, I've got, some, I've got some soup left over. I've got too much today. If anybody would like to share my soup, they'll post it in there. She went on holiday for a couple of weeks. And um, apparently, while she was away, someone else in the office took it upon themselves to bring the com- communal milk. You know, It's a little thing, but it started to change the culture of the office. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at the conference, J. John's conference, and he was talking about a lady that he'd interviewed who worked in the hairdressers. And he was making this point about ministering grace into that situation. And he asked her how she did it, and she said, she worked in a hairdressers, she said, um, as she washed people's hair, as she massaged their scalp and washed their hair, she would pray over them every time. Every time that she was washing someone's hair, massaging their head. She was praying for them. Now, you know, we, we can pray for people, but we don't often get the situation to have to lay hands <laughs> on unbelievers and pray for them. So they just think they're having their hair washed, and she's sort of going, "Pray fill them with the Spirit, Lord. You know, fill them with, let, let them fill them. And they didn't know, you know. Again, just a little way that she wasn't accepting the norm. These people weren't accepting the norm in the culture of the place, in this instance, where they worked, but it may well be your family home or whatever. These examples, they may not relate to you, but I pray that God will just give you little ways to break into the culture that you don't uh, conform. Ruth, Colossians 4, verse 6, says,
0: Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person.
1: So always, let your grace always seasoned with salt. Let your speech be seasoned with salt, which takes us to the last one. Now having said that it's not always about speaking with our mouths, um, we can make a difference. We can model uh, a godly character. We can mold the culture, around us, and we can minister grace, but ultimately, (laughs) there comes a point where we need to realize that shining for Jesus is going to mean speaking for Jesus. Ultimately, we need to speak for Jesus. We must not be ashamed of the gospel. Romans uh, 10, verse 14 to 15 jump to that one yeah Romans 10 okay. uh, where's that?
0: I got this ready. how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news
1: How are they going to hear? The gospel, the euangelion, that's the Greek word that means gospel in the New Testament. They need to hear it. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everybody who believes. It's the gospel message. So, yeah, we can model godly character. We can show love and kindness and goodness and all these things. But people are going to need to hear about Jesus. And they're going to need to hear either from you or from someone else. Some people are still open to an invitation to come here on a Sunday morning. You may not think they are, but they are. Research shows that, most recent research I've read, that if two out, two out of every five unbelievers who are invited to a Christian event, to church or to something, by a believer who is a friend, who is a friend, Two out of every five will probably say yes. More people are ready to come than you think. Again, the devil will put a lie in our head, a thought in our head. They're not going to be interested. Well, the research shows that at least two out of every five invited by a friend will say yes. So it is dark out there, but perhaps it's not as dark as we think sometimes. So are you modeling godly character are you molding the culture around you rather than just conforming letting the culture squeeze you in don't do that don't conform are you ministering grace letting your conversation even if your conversation is not directly about jesus letting your conversation be always full of salt so that it seasons that conversation it it drops things in Let's people see you have Jesus shining in you. Are you making a difference? Let's make a difference. Wherever you're at, my my hope and my prayer and my belief, confident belief, is that over the next couple of years and beyond that, as part of this partnership that we're working on together, you will grow in all these things. That's what I'm praying for. That you and we, I want to be part of you in this, grow in godly character. That we grow in changing the culture around us rather than letting the culture make us conform. That we, we grow in ways that we can minister grace. What's the equivalent of praying for someone as you massage their hair and their head? What's, what, what does that look like in your world? How can you minister grace? grace and how can you be an effective messenger of the gospel it's going to be great it's going to be a great adventure who's up for it good good I want to start by praying now just to finish with Um, the other thing you may see on your seats is one of these Uh, it's a little prayer card you may have seen these before on the back it's got space for five names I want to encourage you now to think, to pray, but over the next week or so, think and pray about who you're going to commit to pray for. Okay? So the first step in this partnership, even if you forget about everything else, is to say, yeah, I'll pray for these people. I might not find the courage to speak to them or do anything else, but at least I'll pray. Five people who are not yet believers that you'll commit to pray for. I believe if you do that, we'll see things happen. I believe that next time Ruth and I come, which hopefully won't be very long, we'll hear some stories. I I believe the time after that, some of the people that you write on here, either now or in this next week, they're going to be sat here. They're going to be sat on these empty chairs. Okay, I I believe that. I really, really do believe that. So let's start by... Let's just pray right now, just to finish with. Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you that uh, you are here. What a wonderful time of worship being in your presence. Lord, that we know your presence here. We know your presence in our lives. Lord, help us to be as confident of your presence in our lives out there as we are here on a Sunday morning. Lord, we pray that your light would shine out of us, Lord, in every situation we are in. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Father, I pray you would just give them in their minds right now the names of those people you would have them pray for. And they would faithfully commit just to pray for these people each day, each week, whenever, Lord. I pray these cards would be something that uh, would just be used, Lord, Uh, perhaps kept in in Bibles, Lord, perhaps in a prominent place, in in a home. Lord, just a, a commitment to pray. And Lord, thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you, Lord, that every name being thought of right now, you love these people, these people who don't yet know you. Lord, let faith rise that they will know you. They will come to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen.